Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Today's episode is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co., a black LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PLP22 for 10% off your order. This morning, we are joined by Hunter McElray driving for Andretti Autosport and Indy Lights this year. Hunter, first off, man, how's it going? And I know the season didn't necessarily start how you wanted, but you had a good weekend overall. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it was uh, pretty awesome. Obviously, apart from the ending, it wasn't awesome at all. But <laughs> the, the weekend as a whole, I mean, I dominated it in terms of pace. So uh, I think... There's a lot of positives to take. Um, I felt super comfortable with the whole team at Andretti um, ever since I hopped in the lights car. So it's been really awesome. I've, I've just loved it, really. Like ever since I joined lights and Andretti, it's really been awesome. And I felt pretty at home and the pace was kind of really good from the start. So I knew pace wasn't going to be an issue. Um, and yeah, you know, obviously getting pole on my debut by three tenths was uh, a pretty cool moment. And um yeah, obviously, I kind of I checked out from the race and um, I was dominating the race. And then, yeah, unfortunately, made a bit of a mistake. I kind of got a little bit impatient behind lap traffic and, yeah, hit the wall, which was, was very gutting. I'm not going to lie. I felt pretty dead inside after that. But, um, <laughs> you know, just kind of got to make the positives out of negatives. And I'll be a better driver for it. And um, I think with the pace we have, hopefully can carry that to other tracks. And um, I think uh, we'll be just fine. Yeah, hopefully you can you can take from it. Okay, you know we this is how we set up the car. This is, you know, racecraft. And yeah, one one small mistake won't define a you know, 15, 14 race season or, or however many there are this year. But is it a little bit of a bummer that you know you had such a good weekend and and now you don't race until May first? Yeah, um, it's it's funny. Like, I would say if I. We have tests coming up, so um, we're testing okay. at Barber in a week, so less than a week now, um, which will be good. I know HMD, who is obviously our main competition as a team, um, they're also testing at Barber, and I think probably a few other teams too, in this big gap. And then we have an open test at Indy, uh, not too long after that. Kind of, it's kind of, it's a long gap, which honestly kind of sucks, truthfully. But the the gap is kind of broken up a little bit, which is made a little less terrible, I guess you could say. Obviously, um, being being able to be in the car this much, honestly, has been awesome. I, I'm used to huge breaks. Like I, I, I've never really had such a huge preseason testing program like I did. Sure. Um, but in saying that, like everyone did, you know, every test. This will be the first test that I've done. With just my teammates coming up. Like every other test I've done. Like my first time in the car was at chris griffiths obviously that was an official test and then every other test i've done every team has been there so or at least hmd and then hmd and us at andretti that's like nine cars so um every (laughs) test i've done has been with people and it's always been like a it's always turned into kind of like a quality session so um it'll be nice just to go there and and work through our stuff kind of just really literally test um so Either either or, I'm I'm always looking forward to getting in the car and, and just kind of get in the car and drive it as fast as I can is always what I do. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to get back in the car. Obviously, like you said, a bit of a break. And it, it kind of is a downer, but um, same for everyone. And I just feel lucky that on a whole, I'm really in the car at least every two weeks, which 
you know, that's actually quite a bit. Yeah, it's, that's actually not too bad. So you kind of, you were kind of just talking about it. You know, you got your first lights experience back in the Chris Griffiths test in the, in the fall and testing throughout the winter. So you've had quite a bit of seat time before the season started. How important was that to starting the weekend as dominant as you did? Yeah, I, look, I think there's a few factors like um, preseason testing was really good. I think, you know, I was in the top three pretty much every time. And then the ones I were, there was like one test I blew an engine at Sebring. Um, so I was like out half a day and didn't do a new tire on whatever. But every test that was legitimate, like I was always in the top three, maybe at worst fourth. And me and my engineer were joking, like the last literally probably every preseason test in 2022 like i would be like p1 in the morning or whatever and third in the afternoon but for whatever reason like we just didn't get a good new tire run in or something would happen like we'd have some little issue we'd get traffic some little some little sensor would fail or, or whatever we would just kind of get screwed out of kind of a, a good representative time in happy hour at all the tests so the pace i felt like me and my engineer felt like our pace was way better than it showed. Like you'd kind of see like everyone was saying, you know, oh, Pedersen's top this test, top this test, top this test. But we felt like our pace was easily as good, but we just didn't really represent that in the, in the last couple of tests at least. So going to St. Peter was funny. Like I feel like a lot of people were like, where'd that come from? But, you know, I personally felt like it was always sure. there and, and my engineer and I weren't necessarily surprised. I mean, I'm not going to say I was expecting to put three tents in the field on debut, but, um, you know, I, I definitely knew that I could be fighting for the win. And obviously being an Andretti Autosport, you know, you're going to have a quick car. So there's a few factors, I think, that led to kind of being strong at the race. I think just little things with like, you know, I think everyone being on the same program, just kind of ballasts and things like that. Not saying that, you know, everyone was running underweight or anything, but you just have a very, very, kind of question mark about what tires everyone's running you know yeah what program are they on what are they running high fuel load low fuel load are they running ballast no ballast you just never know in testing so you could see in testing we were fast obviously i was we were always in the top three like i said but um yeah i kind of knew once once it came to the race and everyone was squared away and on equal terms that uh i was confident at least to to be up front and yeah obviously pace was was very good um, at St. Pete, which is obviously kind of the, the biggest positive, I think, that, that I'm kind of latching onto after that weekend. But, um, yeah, we go to we go to Barber now, which is, you know, a pretty – HMD were, were quite dominant there last year. But, you know, what I will say is that Andretti really never did really much testing last year at all, whereas right. this year we've done a lot of testing. I mean, HMD's done a lot of testing, but we've been there every time with them. So I feel like we've caught up a lot to them. Like last year, Andretti kind of had those tracks where they were just dominant. And then there was some tracks where HMD were quite dominant. Um, obviously, HMD was strong at St. Pete last year with, with David. Um, and it was kind of good to see, like, I would say Andretti probably had the dominant car at St. Pete for sure, obviously, with the pace I had. And um, yeah, you know, I think we, we had the dominant car. Obviously, Matt got the win, so happy for him. But um yeah i think we've made some really good step forward um for this year and heading into barber we had a test at the end of last year which was quite good you know i thought the car was actually really good straight out the gate personally so um and we're only getting stronger so i think to be honest you know obviously i'm expecting hmd to be super strong linus uh, Be uh benjamin um frost you know all those guys that they they've got way more experience than me um but you know, I'm kind of just doing my thing. And I know if I do my job, you know, the team's going to do theirs. And, um, yeah, I know we're going to be in the position to win races. So just kind of got to keep my head down and, uh, yeah, focus forward, really. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I think, you know, testing is underrated, especially throughout the road to Indy. Any seat time is so valuable. But I wanted to ask, you know, you're you're going to at least a couple tracks this year that I'm guessing you've never been to before. Nashville, I don't think were were you probably not Iowa or maybe Gateway, but definitely at least not Nashville and Iowa. I'm assuming. So, any thoughts on some some new tracks entering your your schedule this year, and 
have you been able to talk to anybody on the team about at least Iowa or, or Gateway? Nashville would obviously be new to most of the road to Indy. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to Iowa, Nashville, or Detroit. So, okay, okay. Um, I think Oval, I'm lucky, like, so when I did my first year, I didn't know any of the tracks. So every track I went to was a new track. Yeah. Um, and I got good at learning pretty quick, I would say. Um, like tracks like Portland, I'd never been to. Then I'm, I could show up and be fastest in the first practice. Kind of stuff like that. Um, a part of it, I think, is how much resource we have. Like data, footage, simulator. Like these days, it's a very easy to learn a track relative to maybe like 20 years ago i'll say like the guys back in the day like i would say it was way harder for them to learn a track because they couldn't jump on a laser scan simulator sure. and like learn the exact track that's being laser scanned or they couldn't go and look at the exact like perfect data and footage you know what i mean whereas now especially being with a team like andretti there's so much resource to learn and and you know, I would say I'm pretty much of a, a natural kind of guy. Like I like to, when I get to the track, I like just to drive and, and truthfully not, you know, unless, unless I really need to, like my best weekends, I don't really feel the need to look at Dad too much. You know what I mean? So sure. um, kind of as, as natural as I can, I like to go. But in saying that before the weekend, I love to look at all that stuff and just build my knowledge. Um, so diving in pretty deep to all the, the info, data footage and, and simulator and things like that before, I think helps a lot for that. Uh, obviously, I think Nashville being with Andretti is going to help. Um, it's going to be tough for everyone. I think that tracks... I mean, Detroit's very brutal as well, I've heard. Very bumpy. Yeah, little bumpy. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone I've spoke to about Detroit, like even at the Indy Lights media day, everyone was like, dude, Detroit's so bumpy. And <laughs> everyone was kind of talking about it like it's it's hell. So, I mean, I'm, I'll prepare for it and I'll be ready for it. And, um, you know, I love street tracks. I think, I think I've think i always been very quick on street tracks, you know. Um, it's been something that I think I've got better at over the years. And it's funny, like the crash I had at St. Pete, like, People were like, oh, you're pushing too hard or anything like that. And, and it wasn't a pushing hard mistake. Like, where I crashed was the easiest corner on the track and the widest corner on the track. Like, it was not a street track type crash. It was just a stupid, right. stupid brain lapse, like getting flustered behind lap car crash. That was just, I'd let my emotions kind of get in the way too much, which is, which is obviously, you know, I said before the weekend, I just got to beat myself and that's all I've got to worry about. And I didn't beat myself that weekend. I let myself beat me. So the street track part of it isn't why I crashed. So I'm, I'm not worried about like, oh, I can't push hard at a street track or anything like that. Like, no way. Like, I wasn't even really pushing at that point. Um, so I'm not nervous or anything about it. you gotta, you got to respect the walls for sure. But I love street tracks. Like, for me, one of the best things of, of what we get to do is nailing a quality lap around a street track like it's the best feeling when you you gotta like put it on the line and push those limits a little bit and and when you when you maximize it or just get get a lap done it's such a good feeling it's so rewarding so i i can't wait for detroit and nashville i think it's going to be carnage honestly because you know the margin of error is so thin and you know i'm i know what that's like i freaking put it in the wall so um I think the challenge of it and kind of for me going back there, I have, I have a chip on my shoulder with myself of like, you know, I got to, I got to like bounce back and, and show these guys, you know, that it wasn't one weekend and um, I wasn't just, you know, fastest weekend and, and threw it away. So uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot. And I think to kind of answer your question, I kind of went off track a bit going to new tracks. I think it's uh it's going to be the same for everyone with Nashville and, and Iowa, but um, obviously Detroit's probably going to be the only one where I won't have a little bit of knowledge compared to like Pedersen, Lundquist, Stingray, right. um, and a few others. But, you know, I'm with, uh, I'm with a really good group of people and I think I'll be fine. So you, you, you touched on something in there that I'm, I'm curious about in terms of, you know, the, the mental side of racing and, you know, you make a, you make a mistake in a, in a, like you described, not a 
part of the track where people make a lot of mistakes, but how do you, you know, kind of keep your emotions in check in, in general so that things like that don't happen? How difficult is it? Honestly, the funny thing is that, like, you can make it to be the hardest thing in the world or you can make it to be... It either feels just the hardest thing in the world and you just overthink it or it's the easiest thing ever. You know, like, I've won yeah. races by, like, 10 seconds and it's the easiest thing I've ever done. And then you have races where you're just hanging on for a podium and it's so difficult but it, it all comes down to kind of mindset and um you know the the mistake i made like i'm not gonna lie like i'm 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 really was down because it was just so dumb and it was my it was my weekend it was my race and i i kind of wanted to make a statement of like i'm i'm here you know what i mean and i did that but i uh I made that mistake. I, I truthfully, what happened is I got behind Bogle and I was like, I was in a rhythm and I was just chilling and I wasn't pushing or anything. And I was just extending the gap. Like I just broke push pass range for my teammate Christian and it was all going smoothly. And I just panicked a little bit when I got behind um, Bogle because I knew he wasn't going to let me pass. And it was stupid because I had like a three second gap and it was like lap 10. Right. Um, and it was just that little thing of like, you know, just a stupid mistake that i'm not gonna make again um but i think to be honest like i i will learn from it yeah i i for sure, sure. will learn from it and sure. i'll be better from it i can guarantee you next time i'm leading a race there could be six lap cars in front of me like 47 safety cars and i'm gonna be okay you know <laughs> what i mean because yeah because yeah. it's just one of these things where and, and i actually watched scotty win when scotty won and the last lap, I think, I think it might have been Devi D um, right in front of Scotty, like trying to stay on the lead lap. And he had Palou on his gearbox and just keeping your composure. You know, it's so important, especially in IndyCar, where obviously I want to be next year. So, um, yeah, look, to answer your question, like the races were like that, which was going easy. It's, it's not hard at all, but it's like keeping your composure. Honestly, right. it, it, you, it can be very difficult, but it's made way harder than it needs to be. And that was just made way harder than it needed to be, um, which was just kind of silly. But, you know, it happens. Like, I think it'd be a very different story if I was running around P10 and put it in the wall. You'd be like, oh, you're just an idiot, you know, just <laughs> off the pace and slow. And I think at least, you know, like I said, I showed my pace and I'll learn from it. So uh, just need to get better, plain and simple. And I will and I'll learn from it. But, yeah, sorry, I keep kind of going off track here, but to answer your question, it's either the easiest thing in the world or the hardest. There's no in between. Yeah, no, uh, one, I get it, and two, I mean, go as off track as you want because I, <laughs> I definitely appreciate the the insight. It's, it's very interesting. So I'll, I'll wrap it up with one last question here. And, you know, again, thanks for the time this morning, man. And you, you kind of mentioned watching McLaughlin kind of battle lap traffic and, and have Polo right on his gearbox. So when you're... When you're at the track and you're able to watch an Indy car race or watch the Indy car race or you know next weekend watch it on or two weekends watch it on TV in in Texas, what are you what are you looking for so that when you do get to Indy car you have a little bit of kind of mental preparation done? Well, the coolest thing that I did on Sunday was like not gonna lie, like obviously after the race I was not in the best mood and. And right. half me, I just wanted to just get away from the track and just go away and just literally just kind of, I don't know, like decompress. Uh, but I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to stay and I'm going to watch any car race. And I went to the Grosjean stand because part of being a, with the Andretti family is obviously getting to, to stand on the stand with um, – the IndyCar guys and put a headset on and literally stand next to all the engineers, like on the timing stand, um, which was very cool. And what actually ended up happening was I went up to Grosjean stand and there was Michael there and JF who's obviously the president at Andretti. Um, and JF's like, yeah, dude, have my headset. And I listened <laughs> to the whole race from start to finish with Grosjean, how his engineer Olivier kind of structures the race, how his strategist goes about with the race, you know, all the HPD engineers, like, I didn't realize there was, like, seven people for one car just managing the whole thing. You know, there's <laughs> there's two HPD engineers there, and there's 
two other data engineers. Then there's his race engineer, Olivier. Then there's a strategist. Then there's Michael and JF. And then just me standing there. So it was funny. Like I felt, uh, I felt immediately better, like being able to do that. And, you know, it was cool kind of chatting to obviously my big boss, Michael about it. And, yeah. um, and JF just, you know, two very, very obviously important guys in my career and two guys I'm lucky to kind of have obviously as, as bosses. So, um, that was super cool to do that. And I honestly learned so much about the mental capacity you need to have to, to do an IndyCar race because it's like, you know, changing fuel maps all the time, pit strategies, you know, you have to be very flexible and, and have a lot of kind of, I guess, like I talked about mental capacity because it's like, yeah, you know, and any lights race is obviously pretty long now. It's like, it's pretty much a f- longer than an IndyCar stint or as long as a full IndyCar stint. Whereas the IndyCar guys were doing like 30, 45 laps boxing go again so it's kind of they kind of break it up whereas the lights race especially st peter was like 45 laps flat out so it's a little different kind of structure in the race obviously there's a there's a huge element of strategy in the indycar race which is different to lights but um it was cool to see like how the race unfolded and you know the two stoppers and how much a yellow is going to affect the race stuff that i necessarily didn't necessarily take too much notice of watching it on tv you know it's very different when you're on pit lane and you and you're hearing a strategy play out and watching it play out in front of you so that was good and i'm i'm gonna do that as much as i can this year because that's obviously when i wear where i want to be um you know i i know i'm fast enough i feel like i'm fast enough to be there obviously <laughs> yeah, i got a, yeah. i got a lot of work to do still you know it's very very early we have one indie lights race and we got a whole season left and I got to go win the championship first before I even think about that. But, you know, you look at Kyle um, and David, you know, obviously they were very fast in any lights and, and even Linus, like he was very, he was quick in his IndyCar test too. So obviously um, pace wise, I was, I was a lot quicker than everyone else at St. Pete. So I know I'm kind of fast enough to be there. It's just, I'll just tidy up all my little other things. So um, yeah. It's, it's cool. It's cool to be so close to it, but um, just learning a lot. And, and right now, you know, the best thing that I did was when I got back from the race from, from St. Pete, straight back to training with my trainer, like just really kind of straight back to the grind. Like I had nothing yep. to celebrate, honestly, you know? So it was just like, I just got to be better. So just working every day, trying to be better. Um, and I'm just hungry for it. So, yeah. Awesome, man. I love it. And, We'll we'll wrap it up there so you can get back to training and, and doing whatever you need to do on this lovely, gloomy Monday morning. But and <laughs> I luckily uh, I'm finished training for the day. I'm nice. sitting in my car right now, like <laughs> very very sore and sad because my trainer Jeff, <laughs> um, he abuses me pretty bad. But uh, <laughs> no, it's been good. So it's been cool and um. Obviously, the weather right now. This is not my jam. This rain and gloom. But no, it sucks. Um, as a now, I'm a resident of Indiana. You know, I appreciate those days like we had when it gets over. Like <laughs> I'm used to Celsius, so 22 yeah. degrees is good for me. But I think that's like 72 Fahrenheit. So anytime it's over 60, it feels like mega. You know, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more of those days and less of this. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's for those listening. It's very it's like cold and rainy this morning. It stinks. I didn't like being outside with the dog this morning. It was pretty miserable. But anyway, man, enjoy enjoy your day, and you know we wish wish you the best of luck this year. Look forward to seeing you at the track soon, and uh, enjoy everything, man. Thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, man, no problem. Welcome back to the second half of this week's episode first half was the hunter McElray interview hope you guys enjoyed that i enjoyed it i know shannon wasn't able to join because we had a last minute schedule change but in in keeping with tradition we're gonna go with our typical non-racing question to start the episode and this is in honor of of hickey since he's not here since he's at the dua lipa concert which i would describe as a very talented artist that is not my type of music at all so 
Shannon Frenchy, who is one type, one musician or band that is like not typically your type of music, but you would love to go see. Can it be somebody that I already have seen that wasn't my type of music and I was super impressed with the concert? That's fair. Marilyn Manson. Ooh. One of the best concerts I've ever been to. I dig it. Host face really lit up there. <laughs> I just, <laughs> You're I, so excited by that answer. <laughs> I just wish he wasn't such a piece of garbage now. Yeah. In fairness, this was like 20 years ago, so he wasn't as... We, di- we didn't know, at least. Correct. Hmm. This is a really good question. I think I would want to go see... Darn, this is really tough. I can't even think of who it is. Would it be Florida Georgia Line Blake Shelton Tim McGraw Quinn Stefani? <laughs> um, it's too early for violence, ma'am. I I guess that could be them. Yeah, I mean, why not? But I think my real answer would be somebody like I don't know Elton John or something. I feel like he oh, probably puts on a great. really good show, and he's not really my type of music. I tend to like a little bit more heavier rock. You know, like yeah. Yeah, whether it's older or newer, but yeah, I would go see Elton John. It'd be cool. My sister's seen him twice, and she says it's incredible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've had some friends that have seen him live. I don't remember who, but oh, yeah, that that would be a good one. I think I, I don't know. I had two answers kind of playing in my head when I thought of this question earlier today. The first one was Beyonce because she's mega talented. The second would be Shakira because I think like a Shakira concert would be like super fun and lots of dancing and upbeat and so lots going on and you know sound would would be fun. I don't know, just something kind of obviously very not my style, but yeah. All right, now that we've got you inspired that, another one for me actually. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I think I think I would go to a share concert just because those are probably I've seen what those look like and uh that'd be interesting it's definitely not my type of music but i think she puts on a good show yeah that would be the best crowd ever (laughs) yeah well that was fun there you have it all right hickey i hope you enjoy your first ever concert which still is mind-blowing wait a minute wait wait what yeah don't you remember this from last week when he said this is his first ever concert Mm, no i mm, no, but this is an interesting choice for your first concert ever. <laughs> yeah, like a huge show at a, an arena, probably. I mean, my first my first show was at an arena like 50 years ago, but who was it? This is another good question for uh, it goes along with what you were just asking us. My my first concert was Lincoln Park. P.O.D. was the no surprise. There. One of the openers. Hoobastank was one of the openers. And nice. story of the year was like just coming up in like the punk rock scene. And I don't think they ever really blew up, but yeah, I don't even know who that is. They're like a, a they're like a mildly popular punk rock band that is I don't know if they're still around, but they still pop up on my Spotify once in a while. So they're you know, they're decent. Like, are you talking like your first concert like in teenage slash adulthood or your first concert ever? That was my first concert. I don't know. Ever. I guess, yeah, whichever you feel like. Because when I was six, <laughs> no, I was four. My aunt took me to a Lee Greenwood concert, <laughs> and then when I was six, I saw New Kids on the Block and Tiffany. Oh, nice. I know. I'm Frenchie. Such a pop wow, party. you started early. I think my first concert. That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry, it. <laughs> I think my first concert was in high school and I went and saw the Black Keys and I remember that Arctic Monkeys opened for them, but that's all that I remember from who was on the roster. Do you want to hear show. something funny about my first one? So POD was incredibly boring to see live and my so my dad took my buddy and I that I grew up with and every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. The only thing I remember about any of the opening bands was the fact that my dad was sound asleep during POD, like sitting in his seat. <laughs> either asleep or just like in like head down like what the hell have i gotten myself into i don't remember they were that bad yeah they were pretty terrible like they're a good band but live they're horrendous i don't know if they've gotten better i saw them once four or five years ago they were an, an opener when i went to another show and i didn't even like i didn't pay attention i think i like was drinking or something I think I have a few of their songs in my Spotify, but yeah, not a band that I would go specifically to see live. There's a lot of bands that really aren't that great live. Yes. Which is disappointing. Yeah, it's always disappointing when you when you hear somebody like music live and you're like, this is just not entertaining. Mm-mm. You know who I saw was great? Oh, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Nelly. <laughs> okay. I like some Nelly. It's a great show. I was going to say Disturbed because I went to that show and they were amazing live. Um, I've seen Slipknot live and that was enough to give me nightmares the rest of my life. Corey Taylor as a musician is fantastic. The whole Slipknot experience is a lot. If you're if you're not into the band, it's it's a lot. Like that's one like I totally get if if you're not into it, like you are not going to enjoy the Slipknot experience. What about your Ramstein concert host? Oh, yes, I did That's see. That's a story that I like. I did see Ramstein live in. Oh, Ramstein. Whoops. February of 2013, I think. And I can't remember anything, but I could I could tell you like months and years of concerts I went to, like back to like 2002. But Ramstein, they came down. So I went to Long Island where the New York Islanders play and they walked down like through the crowd to jump on stage, like right next to us, there was fire everywhere. There was everybody's like covered in like fireproof, like oil, like on stage. And it is, it is like, if you want to talk about like experience, like Slipknot is like Teletubbies compared to when Ramstein is on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Why was that the first thing that came to my mind? I literally have no idea. That was fantastic. Then it's very hard to focus now that I came up with that. But yeah, it was wild. And I was supposed to see them again. And it's been postponed twice because of the pandemic. And now I live 600 miles away. So I hope they come somewhere in the Midwest because it's it's wild. Like it's I would definitely go again. It was I would go with you. Yes, you're you're in. I yeah, it's Let's make Hickey go. I feel like he would hate it. Let's just oh, make him he go. would be terrified. <laughs> Hickey and I can go, and then him and I can just go find drinks, and yeah. y'all can stay for the experience. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk some racing. We don't have a lot to get to, but we have a little bit to get to. The new IndyCar engine has been postponed back to 2024 from next year in 2023. Supply chain issues. I, I think when supply chain issues were first brought up, like maybe about a month to six weeks ago, it was in our Twitter group where one of us said, why don't they just delay it a year to kind of match up with the chassis a little bit more, which is what it like looks like they're doing. Now, taking out all of the lovely social media comments that we've probably read about this in the last two weeks, 
What do you guys think? Is this a big setback, minor setback? Okay, in the long run. I think it's. I think it's what makes sense. Why? Why debut a new engine when we can't supply them properly? Especially if we want nothing but our series to grow, and you want to have enough people, and we don't have a third OEM. So, why not at least? let it all catch up so that when everything is debuted chassis and engine, then everybody's going to have enough parts and no one's going to be racing scared for lack of better terms to like break things. As much as I feel like racing takes precedence for us in our small area of the population, the fact that there are like regular passenger cars that can't get chips and are being delayed for multiple years definitely means that this was going to happen with racing motors because that you know those are going to be allocated all the parts and chips and work for you know passenger cars more profitable more mainstream so it totally makes sense and if i can't even get cream cheese at the store for some <laughs> reason i don't know why it's like a thing that's sh- not around in the grocery store anymore then I think delaying the IndyCar engine is probably a small price to pay for kind of what we're going through right now. So what you're saying is that the title of the episode this week should be Cream Cheese and Teletubbies. That will confuse the hell out of everyone. So yeah, might as well do that. I might I might actually do that for once. I know I always like come up with these funny titles and n- never go with them. Also, if you, t- if you try to type in if you try to type in your iPhone Teletubbies, at least for my phone, it autocorrects to stale bubbies, which I don't know what that is, but I'm. Very... Can we talk about what your phone corrected to today? <laughs> so I, I, Shannon and I were talking about the new Rich Energy book that is coming out later this year. And I had said, I was like, oh, I saw Alana's tweet about it, but Alana's corrected to salami. And I don't, I don't know <laughs> why. But it did. It, it was so confused. Gotta send her a screenshot of that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, and I don't know why I looked at my phone again like a minute later. I'm like, oh, that made, oh, salami. Well, that's a new one. So yeah, my <laughs> I was phone. Like, is, what? My phone is on a roll today. <laughs> anyway. My name always autocorrects to goofier, my last name. <laughs> My mine autocorrects to McLaren. Mine is way cooler. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, you win that one. But I think the most important thing from this article is Jay Fry saying, listen, when we tested the weight of what the hybrid system would be, we realized we'd really need a new chassis in order for everything to be most successful. So instead of trying to make something work for the sake of making it work, they went, let's take a step back here let the supply chain stuff play out and let's get the new chassis ready. So, you know, I know that the new chassis was supposed to be some sort of like rolling layout starting in 2024. We haven't seen if that will change. I definitely would like to find out, but all in all, I don't think it's a, a, a bad thing. I think it allows everybody time to kind of just figure it out correctly they're still going to do some testing at some point this year. I think still it might be before May, to be honest with you. I don't remember. It's not in this in my notes right now, but nonetheless, they're still going to have this year testing it and next year testing it. So that's plenty of time to get any issues out of the way. Do we think this might have any impact on a third OEM coming in? Is this kind of an accident that's a happy accident? It's helpful in a way. Maybe delaying the engine allows that third OEM more time to prepare or make a decision. I would like to say yes, but I don't think it makes a difference. No, also, I think that um, Chevy and Honda have had already a year to develop the hybrid engine, right? And it's not that the engine's not developed. It's that there's not parts to go around at this point. So that feels like they would still be a year at least at this point, because nobody's signed behind, unless somebody's just behind the books ripping out hybrid engines for indie cars. <laughs> you know, I, I still think that they would be be behind. So I don't know that it's a a win situation. That doesn't mean it can't happen. I just don't know that. I don't know that that matters either way. Darn, I was trying to find a positive in the the negative, but it may. Not I still work. don't think it's a negative. I mean. 
we still have a good product. It's not yeah, yeah. like we have a shitty product and we really need this to happen, right? So I would rather, like Jay says, rather do it right um, and wait for all of the things to come together instead of half-assing a program and then it become a giant shit show and then everybody's mad and give somebody else something to bitch about. Didn't they rush the the DW12? Like, wasn't it kind of always overweight from where it was supposed to be anyway? Yeah. 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 So... Maybe they're just trying to avoid that because we've had that for so long and they know now the pitfalls of what happens yeah. when you do it that way. All right, we got to talk about the hottest topic of the week. Concerts. And Iowa. Okay. <laughs> insert insert dramatic pause. So for those who somehow have not heard this week, and we're going to keep this very short because the discussion has been very exhausting already. Gwen Stefani, Tim McGraw, Blake Shelton, Blake Shelton, thank you, and Florida Georgia Line are playing Florida Georgia Line before and after Saturday and before and after Sunday. I don't remember. I think Blake and Gwen are Saturday, and the other two are Sunday or flipped, whatever. Flip it. Either way, Blake I'm, ends. Blake is the is the closer Sunday. Okay. okay. I'll. I don't know. Where, where do we start? Is, is this good? What do, what do you guys think? As you can tell, we're exhausted because social media has been a cesspool beat down for the last 24 hours since the official announcement came out from, from Hy-Vee and Iowa Speedway. I have a really hard time understanding how this is a bad thing. I just do not understand how anyone can disagree with bringing casual we're in the middle of a damn iowa for god's sakes you're a country music mecca respectfully respectfully so all of these people bitching about the concert choices it's like this is this is their genre this is what they do this is their demographic like just because you might be traveling to Iowa and you aren't from there doesn't mean that the casual fan who lives in Iowa who sees four freaking concerts and two races for a hundred bucks, 75 food trucks, get out of here. I'm sorry that you paid $30 for your ticket three years ago. This is how the world works these days. Sorry. I, yeah, I should I, step off my soapbox. No, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> with you. I, I really don't understand it either because... You know, if you're not an IndyCar fan and this brings you to the track and then you sort of look at IndyCar and say, oh, this racing's kind of good. I've never even seen it before. Never watched it on TV. Boom. Then you have new people. So literally, they're, yeah, they're not a trying to attract racing fans necessarily with the concerts. Racing fans are going to go to a race anyway. This is for people to bring their families, maybe like I know for and my girlfriend, this would be a, something that she would want to do. Like she would have a reason to go to a race with me now. So I think it's kind of a cool thing. Good idea. And even if we didn't gain any single other race fans from this, we still get hopefully a sold out Iowa, which was, which means we still get to go back and race at Iowa. Yeah. So for those of us who want to see the racing at Iowa, if this brings people there so that it makes sense financially, then what is the problem? What is the problem? Yeah, ovals have not been doing well financially, so... If this you is have they to can make bring it, in revenue. You yeah. have to make it worth people's time to go. We don't have a support series and we don't have enough support series to justify only having races and you wanting to people to be there all weekend long. We just don't. So you have to do this. At least going back like three or four years, we've said on this show in one way, shape or form, the way to do ovals and get people is sort of like how gateways done it. There's you know food trucks, there's stuff going on. There's, you know, it's a very festival atmosphere. And I mean, Hickey and I've said that for years now and Iowa listens and everybody's like, well, they're not catering to me, the race fan who's been a race fan for 74 years. Well, yeah, because we you're know right. you're right. We're not trying to. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me, what are the also, nuts? What are the nuts and the bolts on the race car gonna do? Well, guess what? We just want to see them race. It's not all about you. And so let's say, kind of like what Shannon said. So there's, I don't know how many people Iowa can hold. Let's just say forty thousand. I think it's 
50,000. All right, 50,000. I think 50, that's 000. what I saw. So let's say 30 people become fan, race fans from Iowa. That's you know, 30 fans times 100 more dollars that are coming back next year probably because they like the race. And I'm sure Iowa's not going to go, we're only going to do the concert one year. Like that, that would be... That would be disappointing, but that's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think it's it's really cool. Food trucks. I mean, you know, my favorite my favorite races are always Gateway because there's a million food trucks. Toronto because they have food truck alley back behind the the <laughs> soccer stadium. If you're sensing a theme in my life, it's I like the racetracks with good food. So, yeah. and Iowa, there's literally nothing around. Like I, so there's nothing around there. So it's it's another reason for people to go and. I, I did some some brave homework before the episode and I looked at Gwen Stefani's tweets and the replies to them about the concert. They're all good. Everybody's like, every, I know everybody. Most of them aren't talking about racing, but most of them are like, hey, I'll be there. I can't wait. Or, oh, I wish I could be there. So that right there, you're getting people excited for the weekend. And I, I think that's like, three quarters of the battle is getting them excited for the weekend because now they're excited and they're going to go, Oh yeah, there's this IndyCar thing. Let me watch like a five minute YouTube video before the race or whatever, or, you know, then maybe they start watching a race or two before they even get there. So they know a little bit. And then we wow them with the on track stuff and an autograph session and whatever else they're, they're doing that week. A uh, road to Indy is going to be there. So I'm sure we'll see that too. So that's a lot for uh, let's just say one hundred and seventy five dollars. Let's just o- overdo the number. Even two hundred dollars, yeah. four concerts and two races for two hundred dollars and seventy five food trucks is. I mean, my God, you sit at the six hundred section top row of Lucas Oil Stadium where the football players look like ants, and the tickets are still two hundred and ninety eight dollars, and that's for a three hour game, and that's it. I just, I, it, I'm just mind boggled by it. The sidebar of that is I'm pretty sure all of those artists are under Big Machine Vodka, which is also like Big Machine Music Records uh, yeah. label. Thank you. Um, which is also a big sponsor of IndyCar, right? So like, come on, get with, get with the support program here, people. Yeah. I, there was something else I was God, I had I had another point and and uh, I lost my train of thought. So we're just gonna continue. I have one. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> if you compare the prices of this event to basically any other, like Shannon was mentioning, football, but any other racing event, Formula One or NASCAR, I mean, unless you're going to local, like maybe short track racing or the local drag strip, you're not gonna get any tickets cheaper than an IndyCar race for you know a top level national global you know series so for anyone who's complaining about this price increase i'm sorry i hopefully this doesn't price anyone out of this race but i i don't think it's like a it's not a massive price increase and it's not like they're just increasing the prices without giving you more like they're they're giving you a reason for why the tickets are more expensive the other thing of that is that even day of race flex tickets are fifty dollars for both days so like there are right now, if you get them right now, they're twenty dollars for wow. both days. What's a flex ticket for those who don't know? So there's sections at each end of the track at turn one or turn four, and you can float back and forth from wherever you want to sit. They have uh, they have um, like sections blocked. I don't know that they're blocked off, but designated to be flex, and you can sit anywhere. You can go back and forth to each side both days. Nice. That's cool. So for a casual fan who doesn't, you know, doesn't want to spend that money, but wants to have this experience, that's a great, that's a great option. And I think kind of to Frenchie's point before we move on to the last topic, you know, going to see, so somebody like when I saw Ramstein years ago, it was $145 just for them. Like, I don't even think they had an opening band if, and if they did, it was like a, oh, no, they did. It was like a DJ that played like a half hour before. I mean, I paid $215 for freaking high section Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, and Ticketmaster. It, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on from that. I think, our, I think our thoughts are clear on that one. The last one is like 
I don't think we'll all have too much to say about this, but in Long Beach, Alex Zanardi and Bill Oberlin. Yes, thank you. I I have the article up and all of a sudden my uh, other monitor went blank are being inducted into the Long Beach Hall of Fame. That's April 7th before I think that's the first day of the weekend. So pretty cool to pretty cool for Alex there. Hopefully, hopefully he's he's there. Hopefully he's he- at least healthy enough now to travel. I don't really know. But yeah, that's pretty cool. And there's more IndyCar testing coming up soon that there's a Texas test while you're listening to this episode for the guys that couldn't test the other day when it was too cold. Yeah, yeah, they're going back. But the Ganassi yeah, car. ECR. Yeah, Penske and ECR. Right. Ganassi is changing their test to the Indy Road Course. So that's one less Honda team that's showing their card. I know. One less team that's showing well, their cards. There's two races before, there, though. For, yeah, for right now. So. So you got to get practice. I don't know. It makes yeah. sense, even though it's you know, know. not my know. favorite that it fills so many spots on the schedule. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Uh, make sure you check our social media. We have a new fantasy F1 league on Grid Rival. Frenchie and I did the interview last week. We posted about it on Tuesday, so check that out. There's already quite a few people who have joined the league, so I don't think we have anything else. So, everybody. Are we done? It's 25 minutes. Yeah. And we also had 25 minutes with Hunter, so you know we didn't, we didn't have as much to do this week. Hunter rules. Yes, Hunter was was Hunter was a great chat. I appreciated him answering all my questions and giving like really long answers to where like you f- you feel like wow he's actually engaged in this conversation. So everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. Bye. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.